What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Big show today for you. The, the projection of the 53-man roster for the Baltimore Ravens in 2021. Uh, here to do it with me is Jordan Coe. Jordan, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ken. Thanks for having me on. Happy to join. Always a pleasure. You've got a rather nice background there. Are you at the beach? You're on vacation somewhere? Is a beach house looking? Yeah, I live in uh, Venice, California. So I live about five blocks off the, uh, off the beach. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Uh, anyway, uh, the Ravens, big news this afternoon. Uh, Sean Wade being traded to the New England Patriots for a deferred fifth round pick and a seventh. 
Of course, they used a fifth round pick on him, but uh, they get a fifth round pick back two years later, which is not as good as we know, and a seventh round pick in next year's draft. Uh, a little something in terms of return for a guy who is probably pretty close to the bubble for the Ravens. Yeah, you know, the the future value as it kicks down the road, obviously you, lo- you lose a lot of that asset, but um, but you get a fifth back and you get an extra pick back. And so if you're looking at this as a guy that wasn't going to contribute in the short term in any meaningful way, the Ravens and the way they use draft picks have to be pretty happy to be able to get more draft value on draft day itself, you know, at some point than what they spent on this pick. Right. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think another point that was made, and this is one listener and uh, I, I, I'll mess up the name if I try and guess, so I won't do it, but he knows who he is said that in 2021 was an exceptionally weak draft. It was obviously a COVID dampened draft. And so, you know, most of the picks were power five picks. The, the Ravens did not have the extent of their small school scouting muscle available, or, or at least that, that, you know, what they knew about such players, you know, they didn't use as much as they have in past years and getting a five and a seven and a later draft might actually have more value. So, uh, you know, I think some, some things to be thought of both directions there, but I would normally put about a 20% discount per year on a draft pick that's deferred. And so you're getting two year deferral, 64% of that value back for the five, the seven is worth almost nothing. Uh, it's worth a little more than nothing. Uh, so, you, you you know, maybe you end up with uh, 60, 67, 68% of the value returned via the trade uh, if you're trucking purely draft capital. Yeah, you know, and, and, and for a guy that seemed like he might not make the roster, again, the Ravens mm-hmm. have just, you know, generally have to be satisfied. You also get a little bit of potentially a, a presumable pick value if you assume that the Ravens are going to continue to be a little bit better. I don't remember where Wade, if this was a traded fifth and they were picking from their position, or somebody else's at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I thought I saw some some comment about the seventh, but but rather than say the wrong thing, I'll just I'll just hold on for right now. I mean, the Patriots always a pretty good chance to be drafting down in the Ravens area, and if it's sometimes these trades end up being their pick of their picks in the round. So if they have a compensatory pick in the fifth, they might be able to drop it to that. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, it's certainly not a great return for the Ravens any way you look at it, but uh, uh, you know they they're in the situation they are. I, I would look at this a little bit like when they had to cut um, uh, the receiver Anquan Bolden, and they got a sixth return for him. And and basically everybody said Anquan Bolden for a sixth. Have they lost their minds? Well, no, they were going to have to cut Anquan Bolden. They they then got whatever salvage value they could, and happened to be a sixth from the 49ers was the best offer. And, you know, that's what the Ravens are basically doing here with Wade. I think they they might have had multiple guys that the Patriots even were interested in or certainly that other teams were interested in. And it just ended up being the the return for Wade was the was the best return and the best option they had among several. Right. And, you know, we'll talk about kind of some of the positional depth and and guys that have a shot at making the roster that we're going to take Wade's spot. But also you've got. Iman Marshall under contract next year. Obviously, who knows what that's going to look like from an injury standpoint, but it's another body, another guy playing corner. So if the Ravens were worried about the long-term need to have enough corners kind of in the stable, because that has been a concern for the Ravens. Um, I mean, I think it cost the Ravens a deep playoff run one year. Um, You know, I, I think that that gives them a little bit of more flexibility to trade a corner at this point, especially given the current depth they got on the roster too. 
So two, two questions come to mind about this. The first is, would you have rather this was traded to an NFC team, even maybe if the compensation was a little less? You know, it, we've seen so little of Wade. It's so hard to say. Um, he's a fifth round pick for a reason. Um, you know, that that's kind of where I would go with that. So I don't, you know, for the most part, fifth round picks aren't coming back to haunt you. Now, if this was, you know, somebody they took in the first that there was nowhere to play and, you know, they were getting another future first back, you know, down the road for something like that, then I might be a little more concerned that there would be immediate impact or bigger damage. But I think at this at this kind of rate of player, um, I'm not as concerned that it's in conference. Okay. That's the, the wouldn't end up no chance of it being like a fifth round pick like Matthew Judon or a fifth round pick like <laughs> I mean I, obviously that could I mean that could that could happen, right? I think a bit more like Chris Wormley, where the the Ravens have yes. made some kind of evaluation and they say, you know, in that case we're willing to trade him in in division, not just in conference, because we don't think there's enough there. So obviously it's really early to make evaluations like that, but the Ravens have gotten a chance to see him, gotten to see a chance of where he might fit or how he learns the system. And, and that's how they made this decision, I guess. Right. And then, and I know it's hard to think of this as the Ravens really getting good value back. But one of the things that also comes to mind is that in a year with a COVID reduced cap, a, a player on a rookie deal is worth more in terms of draft capital than they would be otherwise. So the Patriots, they couldn't trade to get say Tavon young, uh, who the Ravens might have been happy to trade because because he's got a, a cap cost that's more significant. Uh, to at least I I don't know. I but the Ravens well could have been willing to trade Tavon Young uh, essentially for that same draft return or maybe for less. Um, and and it it didn't work out that way because the guy who has real uh, is is the really attractive acquisition is the guy who's got the low salary and and the upside from future years. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And it'll be interesting to see whether some guys, you know, Geno Stone comes to mind, who is on a veteran minimum contract, ends up being a guy that if, you know, he's in the crunch and, you know, we can talk about whether or not we think he is or isn't. Uh, if he's in the crunch, that that he's a guy that the Ravens ultimately trade for the same reason, because teams don't want someone that's going to carry a bigger number or a bigger weight that, that might come along with that. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting because Ravens certainly have some options. The last question, um, you know, another guy they could have traded was Anthony Avery, uh, a fourth-year player, uh, not making a lot of money. So I don't think the money would have made the difference for the Patriots. Uh, it would have been all about the compensation. And the, and the Patriots might not have given as much as a fifth for Avery. They might have. They might not have. If you're evaluating a decision between those two, how do you do that as the Ravens? You know, you've seen Averett play, right? And you know, you've seen him take meaningful NFL game snaps and you've seen him be, at least in some some of those situations, successful. Some of them very successful, some of them not so successful. But at least you know what you have there. Um, you know, that tells me maybe the Ravens are trying to get Averett on a deal like probably less than what Chuck Clark has, but maybe they're going to try and get him signed at some point during this upcoming season. Um, on a on a more team friendly deal before he gets the free agency and keep him around. I, I think he's tremendous depth. He's the perfect fourth corner for this current Ravens yeah. team. Can easily slide into that third corner. You know, if Jimmy Smith is he's Jimmy Smith is going to miss a couple games. Um, Gabe and I were talking about this recently. You know, he's going to miss a couple games at some point this year. Um, and so Averett's a guy that you need, I think, to have on the roster to fill in those spots. Yeah, I, I, that's a great point, and I I I. I 
I love the possibility of signing Averett long-term, but he doesn't really address the age at cornerback the Ravens have. At some point, they're going to have to you know, move on from Marcus Peters, as good as he's been for the Ravens, just because of the age thing and try and uh, get younger again at the position because you can't afford to be spending all this cap on defense. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, for sure. All right. So people are here to listen to our 53-man roster show. We're going to go through it here uh, one positional group at a time. But there is a, a, a big thing up front the Ravens will frequently, not every year, take advantage of. And that is that in order to get players through uh, – sorry, let's make this clear. In order to IR a player so they can return, and the IR rules are very generous this year and last year uh, uh, in allowing players to return after just three weeks of absence – uh, they've kept that, they've kept that on, but in order to take advantage of that, you have to get your player through to the roster before you IR him. Now in the Ravens case, they've come up with a very good way year after year to do this by taking a player who's on a veteran deal, which means he does not have to pass through the waiver system. He can be cut and then they can have a wink, wink agreement in advance as they have with, with Levine and a couple of the guys in the past to re-sign them for the same contract plus maybe $50,000. So you go to a certain veteran player and you say, hey, would you like to make $50,000 tomorrow? We're going to cut you and we'll re-sign you on Tuesday or whatever the, whatever the day after the uh, cut-down day is. Yeah, I think that there are three or four candidates that would fit within that. You know, <laughs> Anthony, you, you, you name Anthony Levine, he's, he's the clear choice. I think Justin Ellis is another. Yep. I think Chris Smith is another. And then... Oh, who was the other Thomas guy I was thinking? And, yeah, uh, uh, he's he's. I, I think Tomlinson needs to be waived. I think Tom McPhee was the other. Mm-hmm. Tomlinson has only got two years of service, I think. So he's still, even though he was on the practice squad last year, would still be exposed to waivers. Oh, oh no, I'm surprised by that because I thought he had four years of service when I looked. Like he's oh, been in the league. I might have that wrong then. Let's let's just make sure we're right because that's that's something worth checking real quickly. So let's see, Eric Tomlinson, 2016 to 2020. So this is his sixth year in the league. Now, he's played multiple games in all these years, so I think he's, he's on a vet contract. Okay. So he was one of my guys that, that, like, I would love for the Ravens to be able to get Tomlinson back with the way he's played. Uh, I, I just I don't think I can find, end up finding a roster spot for him. Yeah. But let's start at the QB position. I'll, I'll let you go first, and, and we'll alternate this way. But uh, QBs, how many, how many are you keeping? Any special roster machinations, and uh, who are they? Yeah, I just, I just need one quarterback. No, I, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I think it's Jackson. I think it's Huntley, especially with, with McSorley's injury. I think that there's no special machinations that are going on with him. Um, I don't think anybody's going to – I don't think that anybody will particularly claim him. I don't think he's looked good enough to be on an initial 53-man roster. Um, and so I think that there's there's some kind of safety in, in that area for exposure for McSorley. Also, I don't think that he brings – too much to the table. That being said, there is some backside risk. And if he were to end up on a different practice squad or on a different roster um, and something were to happen to Jackson and Huntley, that the Ravens would have really nothing to go with at quarterback, particularly given their system. I, I, I think that might be a little overstated in terms of the risk. I think, first of all, you, you probably can slip McSorley pretty easily through the practice squad, given his, his total NFL record. He's a third-year player. There's not that exciting upside for another team, let alone the Ravens right now. I mean, one of the big reasons for Huntley over McSorley is year one versus year three. So if other teams, other GMs are looking at it just the same way and saying, okay, I, 
you know, yeah, we could have him for a year or two. Maybe he'd be okay, but um, but they're not as excited about it either. So I think he makes it through the practice squad. I think also that the Ravens, if they were forced to, it would there would be learning involved. But if the if they if an injury happens to Jackson, that's unthinkable anyway. Or if maybe if an injury happens to Huntley is the more more reasonable thing where the season is still in the balance. I think you can go out and get a quarterback who's more like Huntley um, than McSorley is. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they can. It's just the complexity. I worry about the complexity of what the Ravens offense runs for whoever that third person might need to be if they haven't been in the system and don't know it yet. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like, you know, hard rumors were that just – couldn't diagnose the playbook enough to even make yeah. a play call um, in the last preseason game. So that's the only, you know, and, and that may be an isolated incident to him. And look, if we're talking about two quarterbacks getting hurt, we're talking about the season really kind of being in a bad place anyway. So like you said, low end risk scenario, but one that, that, you know, at this point of the year when there's nothing else to talk about, maybe we talk about. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, thanks for filling up a couple of minutes of podcast time here. Um, <laughs> we'll move on to the running back situation. I'll go first here. I've got three guys, Dobbins, Edwards, and Tyson Williams makes the team over Justice Hill. Uh, Hill, uh, you know, in its third year, he's still not healthy and on the field today. Uh, the big thing that the Ravens have in, in cutting him to me is the loss of special teams value. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, it seems as almost nearly a lock at this point that uh, that Hill isn't making the roster. I, I love what we've seen from McCrary, but obviously Tyson, it seems like he's the guy. He seems like a great fit. He reminds me a lot of Alex Collins. Uh, but Justice Hill has just been, I don't know, I, I think he lacks the vision to be a productive NFL back. So, you know, what what you really are ultimately going to need if, if you move on from him or quality gunners and trust in some of these gunners um, to be able to do that. Cause I thought that was where he was most, most effective. Um, and so we've seen some decent, pl- decent enough play, I think from guys like Geno Stone and our Darius Washington so far this season that you can feel comfortable in kind of moving on from Hill. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if he's a guy that I think another team will probably take a chance on him, but um, I think Ravens fans are, more enamored with the one run he had in the Pittsburgh game two years yeah. ago than, run at the middle. Yep. Yeah. Then, uh, than anybody else is. And I think he doesn't have the vision dances too much and there's too much running back talent out there. It seems like, and not enough running back roster spots for him. There, there could be a chance that he still ends up on the practice squad. Yeah. I mean, that's where I am is that I think that's a real possibility. And, and with Hill, one of the things to remember is that he's, again, a year three player. You have a spate. You have this whole smorgasbord of year one uh, running backs out there who've been cut by various teams. And, and that's where you look for your talent. I mean, you know, you only got a few years with these running backs. Might as well get one in year one, get four good, cheap years out of them. And with Hill, you've got two. And, yeah, you get some special teams value. The, the team I had fear that Hill would end up going to was the Kansas City Chiefs because they play the Ravens in week two and they want the Ravens special team playbook. So that would have been bad. But I think if you if you could engineer a trade of Hill to the NFC, in particular the NFC, where you trade him for a seventh round trigger that is too high to reasonably occur. So Hill rushes for a thousand yards. We get a conditional seventh, say something like that. Um, then I think you make that trade and just get him out of the conference. So it's no AFC team that picks him up that you're going to end up playing. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, there obviously is a lot of those games that happen in the the larger scheme of the NFL. But I think if the Chiefs were going to try and do something like that, then Jordan Richards might already be on some kind of short term contract with them and not even yeah. be there for the 53 and already, you know, hand over the playbook if they were going to do something like that. So 
Um, the Chiefs are really, if I recall, pretty deep at, at running back. So, uh, you know, I'm not as worried about that. And if, if Hill can make it to the practice squad, you know, the way that, you know, the way these seasons go, the way guys get hurt and the way that the practice squad rules that have been carried over from last year are like he very well may could see four to five active game days for the Ravens when, you know, this whole season is all said and done. And that might be more than he might see anywhere else. And he might be willing to take that chance. Yeah, great point. Because he gets two free activations, and then and, and those are just for minor bang ups in the big three. And then if one of them were to go down, certainly he'd be the elevation. So you know you'd, you'd have that. They'd be the Ravens probably be excited to have him for special teams again. You know, as that third back, if that were to happen. All right, let's move on. Fullback and tight end. I had that grouped in in one set here. Go ahead and give me your your guys. And yeah, I think you know I, I think obviously Andrews and Boyle are, are going to be there. Um, and so the big question comes down to Tomlinson and Oliver. I think Oliver's a little out in front, but you know it's it's a it's tough because Tomlinson is a superior blocker to Oliver, and Oliver is a superior receiver to Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is. It's going to be a matter of one whether or not the Ravens think that they can slip Tomlinson through. Um, and either cut him and get him to resign kind of once they create that space um, or get him onto the practice squad or not. I think that, you know, or whether or not they think they can do the same thing with Oliver. I, I doubt they can, um, but who knows? I, I mean, if the Ravens got him for a conditional seventh from the Jaguars, there obviously wasn't a lot of value painted to him before mm-hmm. the season started, but maybe people just didn't think he could get the pre- through the preseason healthy. He's done that. So maybe he's increased his value alone um, from a health perspective. Um, I think Ricard is also a lock for this roster. And I think Ben Mason is headed to the practice squad. I think that was, I think the Ravens probably have maybe some potential regret over that pick in the fifth. Um, But I think your comment earlier in the, in the podcast around kind of just not having the same depth of understanding what the whole field looked like and being able to do the scouting and having a smaller pool of players for COVID led them to take a, a guy that they knew that Jim, Jim Harbaugh was able to kind of give some advice on and they thought might end up being a fit. Right. I, I've, I liked what I saw from him in the last preseason game. He had a really good game, I thought, as a blocker. Um, I, 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 with Ricard's surgery just being revealed, it became more apparent why the Ravens made that trade. So I sorry, that draft pick, because because Ricard, you know, they had to have legitimate concerns this spring about whether or not Ricard was going to be able to play. And maybe they still should. But there's only about a eight six, seven, eight, nine teams in the whole NFL, which even use a fullback regularly. So if you put Mason on the practice squad, I don't think you're at a lot of risk of losing him. There may be a team out there who has a, has a seventh year veteran playing the position who says, Oh, okay, well, it's time to release this guy. Let's get Ben Mason uh, because of what the Ravens do. But I think, you know, there's a limited pool of teams who are going to, who are going to snatch him from you. Um, I, I tell you how I have it said. I have Andrews, I, obviously, there uh, among my, my four. Boyle, I have coming to the team and being immediately placed on IR, which means that that'll give the Ravens um, a spot back for one of these veteran players that they may cut. Ricard, and then I thought about it a lot between Oliver and Tomlinson as well. I've really been unimpressed with Oliver as a receiver. Uh, he's, he's had a lot of receptions. He did have a fumble, not very secure at catching the football, in my opinion. And he's had a lot of really easy pitch and catch tosses at the line of scrimmage on these idiot boots. They keep running that, that are there, you know, they're, they're, it's just the most unexciting play, but of course it's Ravens preseason football. They're not giving anything away. So, you know, they get, they get the ball to him at level zero. It's just, it's just not that impressive to make those catches. So, um, you know, we haven't seen him get open in the middle of the field and, and with play action. We haven't seen him anywhere down the field beyond about 10 yards. Um, and, and he ended up at eight out of the first game was something like 0.8 yards. His eight out of the second game was something like four yards. That's average depth of target. It, 
this is not exciting. I mean, you know, this, the, there, there has to be something that comes out of it. So I had, I had, do have Oliver making the team in a very close call over Tomlinson. Part of that was my belief that if they want Tomlinson back, they can bring him back. I just don't know exactly who they leave off the roster or what additional IR player they may have to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think Tomlinson, he's one of those guys. There, there's a, you know, I think there's a lot of concern this year with Ravens fans, justifiably so, that this is one of the deeper 53 sets of guys that the Ravens have had in in quite some time. Uh, We haven't had a lot of major injuries that have happened during the preseason, so there haven't been any spots that have opened up from IR. That being said, every team has a roster crunch, and every team has some guys that are similar-ish to some of the guys the Ravens have. I think that there there are some starred players, and we haven't... I don't think we've gotten to them, so... Guys like Tomlinson, I think, are not really at risk to land on another roster. Right. I think he knows that his best opportunity to get meaningful tight end snaps are going to be on this team oh, um, yeah. more than any other team. And so as long as someone doesn't want him starting active on their 53-man, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, and I think as a result, that means that he's he's the guy that's going to be the odd man out here. Right. I, I think the, the the risk with Tomlinson is really a time-related risk, as I think of it, because inline blocking tight ends are quite rare in the NFL. I, and and every, a lot of teams are in love now with 12 personnel to a lesser degree, and they're in love with 13. But multiple tight end sets are really more coming into vogue after a long period of going almost exclusively to 11. Now, when, once now that we have that, one of your two guys needs to be an in-line guy. So you can have Travis Kelsey, but then you want a guy like Tomlinson as your other tight end to block in line. And that would be my fear that they would lose Tomlinson over that. And it, I don't think it's automatic that it would happen right away. So they could maybe sneak him through to the practice squad. But then it's a matter of over time. Does it take two weeks? Does it take four weeks? Does it take six weeks? And you, and your probability of losing him goes up every every week as the general depth in the NFL is reduced. Yeah, I, I mean, I could definitely see that. I would also, I, I'm going to push back a little bit. I think Boyle is not going to go on the short term IR out of the Ooh. gate. And I think there is a chance that Tomlinson does land back on the 53 man, even with that being said. I think that there's a chance that, that Boyle misses week one. I think there is a really, really low percentage chance that he does not play against Kansas City. I, I think, and I've been kind of, in any of the conversations that I've been having on podcasts or or um, some of these videos and things up to this point in the season, week two is when the Ravens are going to find out whether or not they're making a run at the one seed in the AFC or not. And, and right. without that win in that game, they cannot be the one seed. I don't think they can. If they don't beat Kansas City, they can't be the one He's seed very in the difficult. AFC. Um, that's their shot at a buy if that's something that they want to play for. And so I think that game has to be circled and flagged and like everybody's got to be kind of ready to go. So I think there might be a chance that some guys that are close, like Jimmy Smith or Nick Boyle, who we might think end up on that short-term IR in normal circumstances. If we didn't have to play Kansas City in week two of every darn year, um, you know, may end up on that short-term IR. If it was, if it was, Raiders, Dolphins, Broncos, um, Kansas City. I think it would almost be assured that Boyle wasn't on the opening day or wasn't was on the short term IR. But given that Kansas City Week Two game, that's a big deal, um, and I think the Ravens are treating him as such. It, that is a fantastic point, and that really changes a lot of roster spots if you believe it to be true. I don't really believe it to be true for Jimmy Smith. I think it could be true for Boyle because he, he, he would certainly be a key player to help beat Kansas City. So just let me let me get this straight. You have four guys at tight end and fullback because you had Mason going to the practice squad, uh, but you had Andrews, Boyle, Ricard, and Oliver or, or Thomas? Oliver. 
Oliver. Okay, so same. So far, we're the same through three positions. Take us through the wide receivers and who you have there. Yeah, this one. This one's certainly a tough one. Let me ask you a question first. Do you have a hard stop at, at 4 p.m. or are we okay? We're good. Yes. All right. Let's go. Um, so um, at the wide receiver, this one, this one's a real question. I have. Um, so obviously, I think guys that are making the roster are obviously Marquise Brown, um, mm-hmm. Bateman, Watkins, Crochet, and Duvernay. Um, I, I think those guys are definitely in. I think Miles Boykin is going to end up on the IR for the year or traded before the year starts. Um, I think Tylen Wallace makes the roster. And I think, oh, what's the other name? Which one am I missing here? And I think Rashad Bateman makes the roster, but is on goes to the short-term IR. Okay, so I've, I've got it slightly differently than you. I think the Ravens start the season with Brown, Bateman, uh, sorry, sorry, on August 31st, they have Brown, Bateman, Watkins, Duvernay, Perchet, Wallace, and Boykin, all seven make the roster. And then they put um, Watkins and Bateman on IR at week one. Again, that could come up with the Chiefs is, is, you know, is Watkins really a guy that can afford to go to IR? If Boykin's injury is more serious, then I think Boykin might be the guy to go to IR. But I don't think with their banged up crew and the way they're handling practice right now is such a limited crew. A couple guys, and I, I can't say who, were in red helmets today because they're defensive players taking snaps at wide receiver. Okay, that's scary. Okay, that that would be happening at this point in camp when you still got eighty guys, uh, but but they just they have so many wide receivers that are that are sitting on the sidelines right now. I also think when you've got Watkins and Bateman both with questionable health, that you don't let your third X receiver go. So Boykin, uh, you know, is is too valuable in that. And also, you know, I know we we sometimes have disagreements on just how valuable Miles Boykin run blocking is, but you know, you get that from him. Whereas with these receivers, we don't really know yet what they'll give us as receivers. So I think there's a value to keeping around there. Another reason will be special teams that Boykin is a, is bring some value there that the, that the Ravens could really use. So hopefully it's not a season ending IR for miles and it could be, but uh, if they slip him through, I'm hoping he's ready uh, you know, in September at some point. Yeah. I'm not as, you know, and justice Hill and miles Boykin have probably been on, on my targeted pick on list for a couple of years now. I, I think that they're, you know, obviously the special teams production from both of them has been helpful. Um, Boykin's blocking ability is helpful. That being said, you know, I, I think Watkins is going to be fine for week one. I think that I think both Watkins and Marquise Brown would probably be practicing right now if it mm-hmm. weren't for the fact that there's no need for that. The other part that makes this feel a little odd is that we're coming up on the, the last preseason game this week, but we've got two full weeks to get healthy to get some reps, get some yep. practices in, and actually two weeks to build a game plan and figure out how we want to use and who we want to attack going into that. So I think the Ravens are thinking about that right now. I think that's going to give us a real flavor of kind of where these injuries are. I think if Miles Boykin is on the roster, I think you're right. The Bateman and Watkins injuries are much more serious or at least loomingly serious in the short term of who can take some of those reps. But um I'm not going to lose any sleep if Miles Boykin's the kind of the odd man out here. And I think that there is some trade value for him around the league. I think that there were some rumors that, you know, when Julio Jones was kind of name was being floated around, that Boykin was a name that they were asking about. Um, if that's true, I think that there could be some some actual trade value surrounding Boykin in kind of that fourth or fifth round, potentially. Um, you know, teams think that he could do something that, that he hasn't gotten the chance to do here in Baltimore. That that would be extremely optimistic in in my point of view. So, but that's okay. You have you have six guys then at wide receiver on the initial roster with Boykin being out, right? That's right. Okay, so there is our first difference here. 
All right, let's move on to the offensive line here because this is an interesting spot. I'll let you go first on the OL. It's a it's a deep position and uh, really hard to figure out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, there are a lot of guys. I don't know that I would call it deep. Uh, um, you know, I, so you know, you, you've got your your starters, or at least what seem like are going to be your starters. I think in Stanley, Bozeman, Phillips. Cleveland, Zeitler, and Villanueva. Some combination of those six guys are going to be, I think, your starter on day one. So those six, I think, are a lock to be in. And then I think Ben Powers is in. Mm-hmm. From from there, after those seven, this might be one of the spots where I think ultimately the Ravens might end up letting everybody just kind of try and get them to the practice squad and see who's left over to carry spots for later on. So I think those seven are locks. I think there's a chance that maybe Neely makes the roster as the eighth, but I think the Ravens are going to try and sneak Breedson and Cologne through to the practice squad um, when they at the initial 53. I think one or two of them will be back once kind of other roster spots reopen. Um, but I don't think that there's any risk that anybody is going to claim those guys um, to take them onto their initial 53 man roster. Okay, so you named six, including Cleveland and Phillips at left guard, right? And you named seven, including Powers. You have nine guys, I assume, on the August 31st roster. That's right. And who are the other? Who are your other two among the nine? So I think it's going to be Ely and Cologne. Ely and Cologne. Okay. All right. Oh, you I know what? what? I'm, I, you know what? I'm forgetting Patrick McCarry. Um, how did I leave him off my list? He's got. I think he's on. I think he's on the initial roster and on the opening day roster. Okay. You want to take Ely off? You put moving Ely to the practice squad then? Or yeah, I think. I, I think so. Okay, let's do that. Um, so then, McCary and Cologne are both on the on the team, which is a lot of uh, center guard backups, yeah. of course. But the, but you and know, it may not be Cologne. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is one of those spots where I think yeah. the Ravens could go round and round. We're gonna. I think we're. Gonna, I think it could be whoever's going to guess the right combination of who ends up being here on the offensive line when it's all said and done. I think is should play the lottery tomorrow. Oh well, I, I definitely want to play the uh, the roster game, and so we're gonna we're gonna post this after I get my picks put in here. So anyway, uh, we have I, I have my my starting five. I have in the group. I I still consider Cleveland as the starting caliber player at left guard, but right now Powers has got it, and and I didn't think he would be able to recover the way he did in the, in the Panther, Panthers game, but he played so well. Uh, that I think he's clearly got the role right now. He played with the ones today, so you know you expect it from that. Uh, so I think he's got the, the spot number six. Phillips will be there, um, and and part of what Phillips brings is is some ability potentially to fill in at right tackle. So I think that they'll they want him for that. And then I have McCary and Cologne making the team as well. So that gives me nine, which I believe is the same nine as you. But here's my big difference, or, or what I expect to be the big difference. Schofield is a veteran who has shown enough at left tackle to me that I would like him to be the guy rather than we trade for a guy. The marginal gain, I think, is very small. So with Schofield, I go to him and say, hey, you want to make $75,000 tomorrow or whatever the number is, and then bring him back um, on, on, a, on a contract for a slightly increased amount. Uh, the day after cut days after they've made their IR, their, their IR shift. And that would give me 10 offensive linemen on the opening day roster. They need to keep eight every week. You need to, you need to have eight game available. You actually can have seven, but to get the extra roster spot, you have to, it has to be an eight. So it doesn't make any sense not to have eight offensive linemen and, and have eight healthy offensive linemen. You really need at least nine. And a lot of teams really need 10 um, to, to stay there. Now that does shift a little bit with the practice squad thing. Or do, do does that play into it for you that 
you can keep nine and roster eight on game day by doing it with practice squad elevations. Yeah, I mean, who? and this is where I say it's kind of anybody's bet because I think Colon Castillo is a real good candidate to be jettisoned into the practice squad and be a guy that they call up if they feel like they need that depth when it comes to that opening day. Because, you know, we're, you know, I think we both think that Powers, Makari, and Phillips and Cleveland are all going to be on the roster. If that's, if that's the case, you know, on opening day, do you really feel like you need Cologne Castillo then as your backup center, or do you feel comfortable enough with somebody else being able to slide in there? That's ultimately the question. Um, I think he could be that guy that falls, ends up not, even though I said I, I'd, I'd take him because I don't think you have another true backup center, especially with Breedson kind of being on the practice squad or cut. Um, yeah. Oh, McCary. Right. Um, yeah, so I think Alon Castillo is the candidate for that from the practice squad perspective. Okay. All right. I, and I I would love to have Ely on the practice squad if I think the Ravens could keep him, but I think he's actually a good candidate for season-ending IR. That you 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 really he's he's looks good enough that you stash him for the full year and you let him make a make a min salary. And he'd be I think he I don't know if he'd be excited by it, but I think you know, among available options, he might consider it a pretty reasonable deal. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, and, and I don't know if this is the NFL PA's influence. I don't know if this is just the Ravens doing things the right way, because I think the Ravens do some things for players. I think the Orlando Brown trade is an example where they didn't necessarily need to do that, but they do right by their players because it's mm-hmm. the right thing to do. Sean Wade seemed like the perfect candidate for an IR for the for the full year to me as well. And so mm-hmm. and yet they still traded him for, by your evaluations, you know, 60 cents on the dollar. Uh, or 60 to 70 cents on the dollar. So thus far, Ely hasn't been banged up. Ely's going to play this. Ely's going to get snaps in this last preseason game, I think, mm-hmm. just because they're going to, especially with the cuts, they're going to need the bodies. If he's healthy, is this one of those situations where the Ravens don't actually do that because it's not something they do? I, I don't know that to be true or not. And we've certainly seen some guys go on the IR early in the year where we are like, oh, like, I think it was uh, Tim White, where nothing was wrong with him. And then right before the season started, he had a, a, an issue with his pinky. Right. Um, so it, it's something that could happen. I just don't, you know, I don't know where the Ravens fall on that kind of specter of. of yeah, they, they've done it before. They've, they've absolutely done it before. Um, Mason, you know, would be another guy who potentially yeah. could be a season ending IR because he'd be very useful next year after Ricard is done with his contract. So you know you you've, you've got a couple players that I think could fall into the category. It's uh, it just is what it is. I, I honestly they they're probably more fearful of what'll happen to Ricard this year, and they also know that hey, there's a lot of fullbacks in college, and there's a few fullbacks in the NFL, so we can get another guy next year if this doesn't work out with Mason. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, the only thing I was going to add is that of all these other you know of all the bodies that we have, Ely is the one that I think has the most opportunity to be projectable long-term for the Ravens. So I'm curious to see how they treat his spot and how they treat him. I, I think, you know, with Cologne Castillo, with Breedson, you know, you kind of know, even with Makari, you, you kind of know what you have with those guys now. And they are NFL caliber players, but maybe not NFL caliber starters. And certainly I don't think have the room to grow into more than that. You know, that's a really good point. And, and if you, if you want to, if you want to guess at who might improve, Ely is the guy, they didn't get a, they didn't get a developmental track tackle in that draft. They lost out on two good ones, uh, Spencer Brown. And then the guy that the, that the Steelers have got, who now has got no pressures allowed, uh, Dan Moore. 
Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they, they lost out on two good developmental tackles in this draft. And you're right that, that Ely is a guy who might project that way. Of course, if he does project that way, season ending IR is not a bad place for him. Uh, but uh, but I, here is my concern. He played 11 great snaps against the Carolina Panthers while they were in the midst of getting outsnapped 43 to 15. And it just happened to be in the second half. And it just happened to be the last 11 snaps that he played. If there was ever a question of context, that would be it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there there is, I think that more than any season that I can recall, the, the preseason, well, I guess last season, the preseason has meant less in terms of what we have actually seen on the field for how it's going to result in the 53-man roster. So not to say that the, there haven't been valuable reps, that, that it isn't important that they're taking them, but we have not seen... Well, at least on the offensive side, I think defense may be a little different. We haven't seen guys pop on offense and say, okay, that guy in the whatever number of snaps he played has earned his spot on this team or have gone from the outside to the bubble, the bubble to the roster, whatever, you know, on the roster to being a starter. That that hasn't happened for the offense. And part of that is the mundane play calling that we've seen from Greg yes. Rillman and the and the quarterback play and the offensive line play and all of that added together. But I think all those things that when you kind of add them up, lead us into a situation where they're going to be taking things that they're seeing in practice. And we have no idea about in making some of these decisions. And, and and we may be really, really shocked when it all comes down to it, because something that we had no idea was happening is, is a big influential decision for them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and it'll be something on the margin of the roster that, 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 you know, we won't completely understand, but anytime, if you look at the week one defensive playbook, for example, and compare that to what they've run in the preseason, it's night and day. I mean, you know, that all of a sudden, you know, in 2018, for example, they came out with the race car package in week one and they did, they never played it before, never showed it before in a game. Let's get rid of this person here. All right. Apologize for that. Um, but anyway, the, the, uh, uh, yeah, we'll see completely different things out of Roman. Roman hinted at that at the podium yesterday. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very reasonable that a run based offense, which is, you know, lacking that additional dimension, um, is going to need to continuously out fool and out guess. You've heard of, you know, companies that need to continually out surprise the market in order to continue rise. Well, it's the same thing with Roman's offense is that, is that it really needs to continually out surprise defenses. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And obviously, you know, part of me wishes that part of part of my struggle is that the Ravens could have done this thing where in the preseason they ran all like they spread out wide. They put a lot of wide receivers out on the field. Obviously, health played a part in this. But even, <laughs> you know, even with like tight ends or even with like Jalen Moore and uh, Kane and like like Victor, like all these guys, like, like they could have put something on tape to at least make teams think that they might try and pass the ball a little bit more in week one or early in the season and, and think about it. And they chose not to do that. That frustrates me because ultimately what they did was super, super vanilla. Right. And, and they, you know, and Roman's right. They're looking for individual players doing individual things in individual play calls. And and they're using those for evaluations. They need those just as much from a passing perspective, I feel like sometimes as, as the others, but you know, I guess maybe not if they're evaluating some of these offensive linemen, but I, I wish they would have played a little more. It, it seems like they're just keeping it all under wraps right now, which I'm yeah. totally fine with. Um, but there was an opportunity maybe to play a little chess if they wanted to. Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree with that. So we've gotten through the offense here. We only have one difference because our, our nine offensive linemen end up being the same guys because you're, yep. you're sending Ely either to practice squad or, or full season IR, right? Yep. 
Okay, let's move on to the defense now. Uh, I guess I'll go first on the defensive line. And this is a place where I think the Ravens have a roster manipulation move to make. I think Campbell, Williams, Wolf, Matabike, and now Broderick Washington all make the team. I think Justin Ellis uh, is cut and then re-signed probably, uh, you know, a day or two later. Uh, and and the I have five DL then on my August 31st roster and six DL on my opening day roster. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think that's I think that's nearly I think that's nearly a lock. And I think that that Ellis Jelly is probably not going to end up landing anywhere else, even if even if he wanted to. I think it, it could be one of those situations where if the Ravens really wanted to, they could wait past week one um, to resign him um, and, and then only get, pay him week to week. <laughs> yeah. And, and get him off that kind of, you know, it, it's not enough money to matter in that instance. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that I think that's spot on in terms of where it's going to be. Aaron Crawford is a nice practice squad guy, I think that, you know, there is some potential risk that somebody that needs a nose tackle um, might end up putting him on their roster. But I think he's I think he's safe and will, will be carried through there. Yeah, I, I I do have that fear as the season moves on with Crawford that the Ravens will lose him. But he's been injured the last couple of days at practice. And so they won't have injury reports, I don't believe, on practice in the two weeks between Maybe they will. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But the fact that Crawford's been injured now makes me believe that the Ravens are more likely to, to just say, OK, we'll take our chances because no one's going to take an injured player from us. Yeah, totally agree. I think this one's probably the safest, uh, the safest place to say who you think is going to make the roster. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to outside linebacker and, and you're up. Okay. So, um, I think it's, you know, actually I, this one, there's one question mark, but I think that you've got McPhee away. Hayes, Bauer, um, all in. And then you've got the, the question is whether or not Jalen Ferguson ends up making this roster. Um, I think he does. I think that, that the Ravens aren't going to give up that draft pick value at this point. They can I think the depth is going to be useful enough at some point and that he would certainly land on another roster if he was exposed. So I think that I think all five of those guys end up being on the opening day roster and and the initial 53. And the initial 53. So I, I'm, I've got a slight difference there. I have all six guys making the roster, all six guys being available for the opener, but the fee being cut for Rome, and it would really be for a wide receiver that goes on IR. So McPhee's a, he's a, he's a slam dunk candidate for it because, you know, he just, nobody's going to pay him 4 million. There is, I mean, if they would, they would have done it this off season. I mean, he, he was, he was a free agent. It's not like they, they didn't have a chance to do it. McPhee's probably got his home here. I don't know exactly what his situation is in terms of family and schools and whatnot, but you know, he's, you come to McPhee and say 75,000 tomorrow. I said, sure. I'm a Raven for life. I'll take 75 grand. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think it's likely that he ends up hanging on and him being a pretty easy move out, move back in player. So Ferguson, to to me, they just put him at the podium today. That doesn't seem to me like a guy they're going to cut next week. (laughs) So I, you know, he's, He's had a great preseason through two games, probably the best of any single Raven. Uh, he's definitely improved his stock, from my point of view, the most of any single Raven. A guy who was really on the bubble, probably on the outside looking in, and now is is pretty clearly um, on the roster. I personally think he's fine inside in the race car package. That is, a lot of his value is really derived from that because the Ravens don't have a lot of kick-in guys. And the other guy who could make this spot, which is Chris Smith, who's played very well, um, is a guy certifiably who can play on the inside. 
Yeah. You know what? I, I kind of forgot about Chris Smith. I think he's also, I think he doesn't make the initial roster, but I think there's a, there's a chance that depending on kind of how everything shakes out that he ends up being back here. Cause he does slide inside. We saw him playing with Matabike and the nickel a couple of times in, the, in some mm-hmm. of these preseason games in that sense. But you know, the more I think about how the Ravens with the depth, the addition of Justin Houston was can't be understated, I think, you know, in terms of how it's going to change the way the Ravens operate, what they do on the defensive line or attacking, because now you've got, if you assume that you've got three guys that can rush the passer on the defensive line, because Matabike has really taken a step forward. I think every Ravens fan is high on him. You've got Wolf, Campbell, and Matabike that situationally can be on the field in those spots, then maybe you don't need the guy that slides inside as much. And so you can keep McVie protected, keep him on that limited snap count, in terms of what he's doing, but still be getting some pass rush situation, situational stuff from those other guys along the way. If Broderick Washington can take another 10, 12, 15 snaps on early downs in these games, mm-hmm. you can keep Calais Campbell fresh and use him in those like second, third down situations. Look out. Cause, cause this, and I always, you know, we already thought this Ravens defense was going to be very good, but if you can keep him, situationally fresh like that yeah. and he can be in those kind of pass rush situations and he stays healthy this year he could have a really really big year i think right i mean i agree and campbell is a guy who before last year had had five straight years of playing between 77 and 80 percent of the snaps at, at arizona and jacksonville i mean he, he never needed it prior we projected a much lower snap count last year injuries could play a factor but even in the games he did play he didn't play 80% of the snaps. He, they, were, they were using him in a more limited manner because that's the way the Ravens operate on rotation. And I think, you know, if Campbell could play 50% of the snaps this year, I think that'd be wonderful. I'd be, I'd be thrilled with that. Yeah, I, I have higher hopes than that, but I would be thrilled with it too. And especially, they're, they're just a lot of, I mean, there are, it'll be interesting, and this isn't this conversation, but it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see who is inactive among this group. Um, yeah. you know, between the defensive line and outside linebacker crew, because obviously all these guys can't be active. And a lot of these guys don't play special teams, um, right. which limits their ability to kind of carry all of them, which is the interesting question about whether or not the Ravens will actually let OA play special teams during the regular season. I, I don't know that I want them to, but they also may not have a choice. Yes. Um, so, so that's an interesting kind of way that's going to break down. But some of these guys are not going to not all these guys are going to be able to play. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what that shakes out to look like. You know what? It's, it's really, it's really squeezed by the fact that Hayes is the backup Sam linebacker. And, you know, he might be a guy with Ferguson that you're on and off with, but Hayes special teams player backup Sam linebacker, which is, he's the only one to Bowser right now. Oh wait, we hope will be that, but he's not there now. He's not, he's not a, a, you know, a coverage asset at this point. We've seen that in the first couple of games already. And I, honestly, his game day spot is very safe. People might look at him and say, yeah, he can't, he can't play. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to come down to who's really not healthy that week that they give him a week off. And, and you know, honestly, that's not a bad way to run your, run your uh, business. Yeah, it, it's it the it's going to cascade into special teams. That's the area that I think that I'm the most worried about at this point because I could, mm-hmm. you know, even as we're saying this, you, you know, you could see a situation where all six outside linebackers and five of the six defensive um, linemen that we talked about are all active, which would be, yeah, I I don't think we'll have six outside linebackers in the same day. I'm by the way, so who do you think directly is, contradict you? Yeah, so who do you? No, no, that's okay. Who do you think would be inactive of the six then? Well, I think I th- that's what I was just saying. I think they, they're going to rotate with one guy, and I, I think it might be the least, the most health impaired that week. 
And so you get a day of rest. And, and if, if, you're, if you're thinking about, you know, if it was a pitching rotation, you wouldn't even, or, or a set of relievers more, more even better, you wouldn't even have a question about how you might look at this and who was available for the game. You'd just say, okay, well, he's a little banged up. We'll, we'll sit him out two days. And, you know, this is a good opportunity or a problatunity, if you want to call it that, in terms of, uh, you know, these, uh, these six guys for five spots. I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. Inside linebacker. Is it my turn? Because this is an easy one, I think. Okay, so I think all four guys currently at inside linebacker on the roster make it. Queen, Harrison, Board, and Welch. And we have not made any real concessions to special teams in our selection so far. But I think the Welch is definitely a concession to special teams. If they really wanted to play it tight, they'd cut Welch. Uh, They'd elevate him from the practice squad. Because I don't think there's a huge demand for him across the league. uh, But they can only do that twice. And uh, it's it's a it's a reasonable thing to, to that they might try and do even to start the season to get a couple extra roster spots there is to is to cut Welch and and uh, and have him have him raised. But he's an important enough player, and I think he'll be as core to the special teams that I think they will keep him on the fifty three. Yeah, I've got I, I've got it a little differently. I've got Welch on the outside on this initial roster because I think that as you indicated, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. Like there's, 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 there's going to be a limited opportunity for him. And I think that if you're a team that's looking to add a guy that can just play special teams, you know, you're probably going to sign a guy like Jordan Richards more quickly than you're going to sign a guy like Christian Welsh. And so I think he has more value to the Ravens kind of being that fourth out inside linebacker as they need him. Um, and then you, they've got a lock. You know, I don't know if a is healthy, but I think he ends up on the practice squad either way. Is he not healthy? I think he's done. Um, I think he's, he's done. He's had a number of knee injuries, and I think they'll they'll release him on an injury settlement. But we'll see. But I, I, I'm using or I'm dedicating that roster spot from um, from Welsh to kind of be placed and go in a different direction. You know, once we get into the secondary, which is where okay. I think the meat is. So you had three inside linebackers. So That's you've right. only got you've only got. Let's see. I I have six on opening day, but I only have five on my August 31st roster at outside linebacker. So, so far I've used 13 spots on defense. Um, sorry, I've used 14 spots on defense and you've used only, no, you've used 14 also. I've used 14 because I don't have McPhee. I didn't have McPhee on that list, but I think I might rethink that before we get to the end of this podcast. <laughs> all right, well, that's fair enough. You, everybody's entitled to change their mind. Okay, so cornerback, this is the most exciting position of all. Lead us off. Yeah. So quarterback is cornerback. I mean, I guess one, it's a question of whether or not you're sticking our Darius Washington and Nigel warrior in the safety bucket, or you're sticking them in the cornerback bucket. I'm going to leave them out. It, my uh, I'm going to, I'm going to leave them out for, for, for this moment, just so we can do a numbers game. But I think that on the opening, on the initial roster, we've got Peters, Averett, Jimmy Smith, Davon Young, Marlon Humphrey, um, and Stevens. And, and, okay. and you have Stevens, Stevens at cornerback instead of safety. Okay, oh yeah, well, let's move him to safety too then. Okay, <laughs> and, and we'll keep we'll, and, and Chris Westry. I think Chris Westry makes this roster too. Okay, I've got um, six corners. That's right. Okay, and then do you have Jimmy Smith going to IR right away or not? Right away. Yeah. Okay, so that'll take us down to five corners. And you're in terms of Washington, you're leaving him off there or you're moving him to safety? So I'm going to keep Washington and Stone uh, are going to be on the roster. Um, Okay, so I'm going to include him at at corner because I think that's what he's been playing at camp. Although today he was back at safety again, so who knows? So one, two, three, four, five, six. So you have have seven, including Tavon Young. You have seven cornerbacks. And I do also. I have the same guys. I have Jimmy Smith moving to IR. So I think we've got an identical set again. So uh, six, seven on the initial 53 and six on opening day. Yep. 
Okay, we're in the same spot there. Direct hit. So safety. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, uh, Clark and Elliott are locks, obviously. Uh, Stevens is a lock uh, in part based on the draft pick, but in part, I mean, he's been tremendously versatile to play the slot and do it. I mean, all that versatility from SMU, not wasted at the NFL level. He's looked good, I think, in camp um, and the preseason game so far, so I'm happy with that. And, you know, one of the old Baltimore favorites, Anthony Levine, is on the block here with Geno Stone for that last spot. And to me, I don't see how you can look at Stone's free safety skills put on display in the first game, especially that, you know, creating uh, room for the overthrow when he's bracketing a receiver. That's just a, that's just a, a fairly advanced free safety skill and not say, boy, I want to make sure I keep that guy along. He's a, he's a developmental player. So I keep Stone. I'm sorry. really sorry to see Levine go, but he doesn't make my list. And I know it's a hit to special teams that, that that's the case. Yeah, and I think Levine. I think Levine could ultimately end up being back, depending on where some of these other roster opportunities shake out. So I think he's a candidate that could be returned for the opening day roster. Um, you know, I think the Ravens are probably going to try and sneak Nigel Warrior to the practice squad. But if he plays exceptionally well, he's the one guy that is. He's the guy that I re- am reserving kind of the decision around Pernell McPhee and whether they need to open that spot up. Because if he plays really well this week um, in Washington, um, then I think that he's going to earn a spot because he's going to get, especially if they let Stone play a lot of free safety, I think we don't see much of the the starters. So I think Stone will kind of move back to um, the safety position. Um, You'll see Stevens playing some safety, maybe them together. That means that um, that means Warriors going to get a chance to play. And if he plays really well and puts that on tape again, um, I think there's a chance the Ravens want to make sure that they keep him. You know, a real, real good point that we may see Washington back at safety with Stone for a fair amount of time in this game, and we may see Warrior back at safety with Stone. Um, you know, they have, I guess, other guys who are still on the roster here, but there's no reason why Anthony Levine should be playing four series on the back end for the Ravens. It doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, it, it, there is an injury risk associated with it. Levine's a cheap veteran, but he's not a cheap player relative to rookies. So you don't want to take a chance with him in that in that way. I do think there's a good chance Anthony Levine is back with the Ravens. I also think think he's the sort of player that has some value league wide on a one year sign after week two deal where you're just paying him week to week. So he'll end up playing somewhere this year. I kind of hope it's back with the Ravens, perhaps in in week three, perhaps in week one. But uh, but uh, you know it's, he's been one of my favorites for years. I be, I'm very sorry to see him go, but I think it's just the right move given who's available to the Ravens. Yeah, I mean I'll, I'll be disappointed to see him go as well. But you know at some point you you have to make some decisions in in those directions. The Ravens obviously I think did Jordan Richards a favor by saying, hey, go go find another team. We're going to give you the time to get that head start in free agency by letting him go earlier in this process. That can't be. That that can't be a positive future sign to a guy like Anthony Levine as well. Mm-hmm. So, Renu, we we don't have to discuss the Wolf Pack. They always keep uh, Cook, Tucker, and more. The now the long snapper. Uh, so they'll be together. That takes us from spots fifty one to fifty three. So going back on this, um, I have a total of fourteen, twenty one, twenty five guys on the August thirty first roster for defense but on the opening day roster i've got 26 so it'd be a 26 24 split of the opening day roster and i don't remember how you've got that you have one less wide receiver i think and one less inside linebacker but i I forget who you're bringing back from your 
Right, because I see um, I see Bateman and Jimmy Smith both out all, going to the short term IR, but not Boyle. Um, Boyle. You had you had you had Boyle. I've got Boyle on the on the on the roster, but potentially inactive. Um, and so probably bringing uh, Welsh and Ellis back with those two picks or okay. those two spots. So if, if, if you do bring Welch and Ellis back, then I think you're at 26-24 also, unless I'm, unless I'm right. mistaken. Okay. That's right. And, and the, big, the big, you know, spot of note is that I've got Boykin not on the roster in, in, any, in any iteration here. That's probably our biggest okay. differentiation. Okay. Well, very good. This has been a fascinating exercise. I, I love talking through this with someone who really appreciates the machinations and the nuance that goes into roster creation, particularly because the Ravens take it so seriously. And I think it's appropriate that we look at it, uh, you know, at, at, at the level we can. Uh, tell folks where you can find your work for starters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a podcast with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. You guys can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Raven Sit Room. He's at Gabe Fergie. Um, we're at FilmStudyBaltimore.com. You can check out our podcast there. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, and uh, at Raven Sit Room and at Gabe Fergie are two uh, Twitter handles I really encourage Baltimore fans to follow. They're, they are great analysts of the game. You've heard Jordan here, and he's you know, very astute, obviously. And Gabe is the smarter of the two of them. Who's a, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You guys have probably been playing <laughs> he, he games since so. your kids. He thinks that. Well, he's, a, he's a, a PhD in microbiology, right, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, these, these are a couple of very smart guys, and I've, I've really appreciated having conversations with them for the last few years. Uh, uh, great to find you guys and talk football. Yeah, thanks for having us on, Ken. All right. Uh, Jordan, we'll talk to you again uh, uh, soon, and we'll see you folks next time on Film Study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.